The programme which follows is brought to you by Resonance 104.4 FM. Turkeys do tend to come every day. Yes, Lucian. I think they live down the back of the house in the trees. That's where I usually see them. They're forest birds, honey. They're not real birds, though. They're not ones. They're not ones that Good afternoon and welcome to Isotopica here on Resonance 104.4 FM. This is me, Simon Tishko, and I'm bringing you another episode of Isotopica. A digital detour, a sonic trip, a round who knows where because quite frankly I'm not sure myself but turkeys I hear you're all saying turkeys turkeys what is all this with turkeys how comes today's episode of Isotopica starts off with the sound of turkeys well it's a political thing let's think about this just for a second where we're at right at the moment I think when I first came to live in London I came to live in the groovy, swinging 60s, international melting pot style sound, Arama, the wonderful place. I think I found, I've actually ended up in Berlin in 1943 and Paris in 1944 and Hungary in 1942. Yes, I'm talking about 
desperately, desperately sad place. That's the London I find myself in at the moment. What are we going to do about that? I mean, it's... I'm an artist. How do I react? I make work, make angry work, but the reality is I've actually stayed in bed. Ennui. Overwhelming ennui. Can't cope. Don't know what to do. I popped out the other day and I spoke to the man on the street. The man on the street in this instance is a really nice guy, Steve. He's the guy who sweeps up the block. He's the cleaner on the estate I live in. A one-time social housing estate, a council estate that's 30%, 40% in private hands at the moment. I'm one of them. I bought my flat. Anyway, I'm chatting to him. We're shooting the breeze. We're talking politics, as I am wont to do. And it was all going very well. It was going swimmingly until he mentioned immigrants, immigration. Immigrants claiming benefit. People coming here. He was angry. He was furious. It's kind of like it was an absolute line he drawed. Yeah, I'm kind of wishy-washy guardian reader that I am. I, I felt despair. I said, but how can this be? We're in a post-major economic crash when the bankers have stolen trillions of dollars, euros, pounds, escudos, you name it, the bankers have got it. No one knows where that money has gone. Trillions. It's a figure that we can't even comprehend. The governments that bailed out the bankers, they don't know where the money's gone. The bankers know where the money's gone, but very few of them, because bankers aren't, as a whole, to generalise, that smart. But what do we find? Do we find Steve the man on the street? Is he angry with the bankers? The men that stole the money? The men that gambled? that created units of exchange that didn't exist. Is he angry with them? No. He's angry with other poor people. I'm poor. He's poor. The immigrants are poor. But Dylan said it. I pity the poor immigrant. Let's not pity. Let's just think of compassion. It's lacking. Compassion and joy lacking in London. The poor turn on the poor. Um, to say he couldn't make it up. We all know that you can because a lot of us have read history books. We've seen the movies. We've seen Albert Speer. We've seen Adolf Hitler. We've seen the way populations are turned against a common enemy. And the sheer audacity of the mendacity of these... I'm going to beat that out, Ed, don't worry. That pushing this story, the poor people are coming here and taking food from people's mouths. It's absurd that people still buy it, but they do. And my reaction right at the moment is one of despair. Despair and ennui. Uh, quite frankly, we're lucky this isn't a repeat because I didn't think I was going to do an episode today. I just stumped, genuinely stumped as a human being. Anyway. Down the road in Studio 2, here at Resonance 104.4 FM, Max Kaiser our normally wonderful ranting ex-Wall Street trader. He's wrapped in a straitjacket back right now because he cannot stop ranting at the injustice of it all. Me, I go silent sometimes. I just can't even raise my head. In this instance, I'm here as a radio show. We talk to some interesting people. We listen to some interesting things. We had Lucian 
singing a song about turkeys and playing his drum and you've got to admit he's good not exactly Ringo but hey no one is exactly Ringo so let's continue into today's isotopica a sonic detour where at the stage at the mixing desk here I don't know where we're going <gasps> how exciting I'm out of bed that's exciting enough this is me Simon Tishko leading you into another sonic detour 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 here on Resonance 104.4 F. And Comes 
recording now. So, Anna, tell me, you've been, you're a student here in England, which, as I think we've discussed that before, that England's quite a joyless place. And at the moment, you're actually a Romanian student. How do you find that? Um, I find it challenging. I find it very challenging, and not because of um, the attitude I'm getting from um, from the people at school, but from um, the attitude and um, the the vibes that I'm getting from uh, the uh, government institutions, such as student finance, England. It's appalling. I mean, it's it's. Um, I find it really sad. It's. We're in a situation where we've got this, this so-called crisis in the world and the bankers have stolen trillions and trillions of dollars, pounds, euros and bitcoins of money and the poor are turning on the poor. It's, it's absurd and you, you must be at the front line of it because you've actually got Romanian, you have to use that word, which is this week's hate word, isn't it? Of course. Yeah. It's, 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 I was watching a program on eugenics the other night, a documentary for some study I'm doing. Oh, yeah. And the language, it's the same language. It's the same language as the Nazis were using, as we're seeing now. And Romanian or Polish or European, it's the same as the Jews in World War II. Um, it's horrifying. Of course, of course. It's, Social eugenism, I'm going to use that term if I may, social eugenism, you heard it here first, and I mean it's social uh, eugenism in a kleptocracy because at every level we're living in a kleptocracy now and I used to think London was a really joyous place, there was a time it was really joyous and I just can't see any joy at the moment, it's just... It's, it's banal, it's dark, it's frightened. It's not the London I want to be in. And what are we going to do about that? What's, what, what's, have you got any plots, any plans for the future? To be honest, I, I actually, um, up until two months ago, I, I couldn't wait um, to move into London because I, I always saw it like, like the, the place where um, all cultures just merge together and they form such diversity and there is no racial judgment here because you have so many people from so many cultures living together and I kind of got um, got stuck into the exact opposite of it. It's so, you can actually feel the differences here more than any other region I've been in England. Um, what, I'm, what I would like to do is, um, I don't know, what I, I started, um, I would like to make, um, a bit of, uh, positive propaganda for, um, for cultural diversity, especially for Romanians, um, that's why I've opened, um, I've opened, um, an internet page that, that kind of advertises the good part of Romanians, the artistic part of Romanians, because I think the, the public, the, the people, need to see that I've lost you 
Hello? Wow. We've lost, we've lost our correspondent from Romania. So what I heard from that was a visitor has come here to study thinking coming to the swinging 60s groovy london the melting pot of the world and london these days is actually more like the gas chamber of the world it is actually berlin in 1942 it's paris in 1943 is this the kind of country we want to live in spooky stuff Les gens qui voient de travers pensent que les bancs verts qu'on voit sur les trottoirs sont faits pour les impotents ou les ventripotents. Mais c'est une absurdité car à la vérité ils sont lassés notoires pour accueillir quelque temps les amours débutants. Les amoureux qui se bécotent sur les bancs publics, bancs publics, bancs publics, en foutant pas mal du regard oblique. Des passants honnêtes, les amoureux qui se bécotent sur les bancs publics, bancs publics, bancs publics, en se disant des je t'aime pathétiques, ont des petites gueules bien sympathiques. Ils se tiennent par la main, parlent du lendemain du papier bleu d'azur, que revêtiront les murs de leur chambre à coucher. Il se voit déjà doucement, elle cousin lui fumant dans un bien-être sûr. Et choisissent les prénoms de leur premier bébé. Les amoureux qui se bécotent sur les bancs publics, bancs publics, bancs publics, en se foutant pas mal du regard oblique des passants honnêtes. Les amoureux qui se bécotent sur les bancs publics, bancs publics, bancs publics, en se disant des je t'aime pathétiques, ont des petites gueules bien sympathiques. Quand la sainte famille machin croise sur son chemin de de ses malappris, elle leur décoche hardiment des propos venimeux. N'empêche que toute la famille, le père, la mère, la fille, le fils, le Saint-Esprit, voudrait bien de temps en temps pouvoir se conduire comme eux. Les amoureux qui se bécotent sur les bancs publics, bancs publics, bancs publics, en se foutant pas mal du regard oblique. Des passants honnêtes, les amoureux qui se bécotent sur les bancs publics, bancs publics, bancs publics, en se disant des je t'aime pathétiques, ont des petites gueules bien sympathiques. Quand les mois auront passé, quand seront apaisés leurs beaux rêves flambants, quand leur ciel se couvrira de gros nuages lourds, ils s'aperceront émus que c'est au hasard des rues sur un de ces femmes bancs. Qu'ils ont vécu le meilleur morceau de leur amour. Les amoureux qui se bécotent sur les bancs publics, bancs publics, bancs publics, en se foutant pas mal du regard oblique des passants honnêtes. Les amoureux qui se bécotent sur les bancs publics, bancs publics, bancs publics, en se disant des je t'aime pathétiques, ont des petites gueules bien sympathiques. It was Irish sweat and labor here where we're standing, that made the docks, the London docks, Irish sweat and labour. And north, just north of the Irish, towards the Whitechapel section, was the Jewish section. Both of them were dedicated to the defence of this area, which was to be invaded by a fascist army under Oswald Mosley 
on October the 4th, 1936. Instead, here, thousands of EastEnders prepare to resist the invasion, barricading the path the fascists would take. 6,000 police are already concentrated in the area. I think there are two important things to say about the Battle of Cable Street, and some of them are misunderstood. The first one is that it's assumed to be a, a battle between Oswald Mosley's fascists and the people of East London. But in fact, the battle was three-way between the fascists, the police, and the people of East London. Mounted police come to colleagues' help. Battens are drawn and heads broken as the anti-fascist demonstrators resist efforts to disperse them. The real problem was the arbitrary authority of the police, the state, and property. And most people, and particularly the political activists, understood the real dynamic of that. And I think this is a salutary story in relationship to this. Up towards Whitechapel, there was an area of very, very cheap rented accommodation. But it wasn't cheap enough for most of the people in the area, and many times they were evicted because they couldn't afford the rent. And there was a particular movement among radicals in the 30s, and this actually went through to the 50s, of defending people from eviction against their landlords. And one, on one occasion, in fact on many occasions, but this is one documented and, uh, in um, public record, that local activists, organised around the Stepney branch of the Communist Party, went to defend a fascist sympathiser against an eviction. And you say, why would they do that? But the local working class activists said, look, this is something we will deal with. We will deal with their politics. We will deal with an argument with them about what they think about their fellow uh, population and community. You will not get rid of them. That's our job. We'll decide. And so, on a particular occasion, when the bailiffs came to evict these fascist sympathisers, then a group of local activists said no, and they stopped that eviction. So when I say that the three-way struggle uh, was between the police, the activists and the fascists, I'm not minimising the opposition to the fascists. I'm merely saying that the primary conflict was between local working class activity and the state. And I think that's something that we should bear in mind about the, the time which mm, we've lost. And the second and I think uh, equally important element of uh, what happened on that day, which is perhaps difficult to grasp nowadays, is that it was about an East End which was very alien to most people's experience. East London is now assimilated into our culture through East Enders and um, chirpy Cockneys. But in 1936, it was a very dangerous place, or at least in people's imaginations. And it was a place where people fought hard about politics, about life, about many things. And the great thing about the Battle of Cable Street is that the people of the East End, those other people, came together and did something which perhaps we can't really understand, which was to act together to defeat somebody politically. 
They didn't rest on their laurels. They didn't say, we're happy with who we are. They didn't say, this is our cultural identity, uh, leave me alone. They said, we're going to stop this. We're going to change something. We're going to act. Communists, laborites, and Jews jammed the fascist group, resisting the peaceful efforts of the outnumbered police to clear the way. Incensed by black shirt, anti-red, anti-Jew propaganda, Ivy and Burroughs unsuccessfully petitioned the Home Office to forbid the march. Now the crowd take matters into their own hands.
for Gang with Clue Top. I live among rats and roaches, but there is this high-rise apartment, a new one across from me, glimmering pool, lived in by very young people with new cars, mostly red or white cars, and I allow myself to look upon this scene as some type of miracle world. Not because it is possibly so, but because it is easier to think this way. Why take more knives? So today I sat here and I saw one young man sitting in his red car sucking his thumb and waiting as another young man, obviously his friend, talked to a young woman dressed in a kind of long, slim, short pants, yes. Long, slim, short pants and a, a black, ill-fitting blouse and she had on some kind of high-pointed hat rather like the Ku Klux Klan wears. And uh, the other young man sucked, sat and sucked his thumb in the red car, and behind them through the glass door, the other young people sat and sat and sat and sat around the blue pool. And the young woman was angry. She was ugly anyhow, and now she was very ugly. But she must have had something to interest the young man, and she said something violent and final, I couldn't hear any of it, and walked off west, away from the young man in the building, and the young man was flushed in the face, seemingly more stunned than angry. And then they both sat in the car for a while. And then the other young man took his thumb out of his mouth, started the red car, and then they were gone. And through my window and through the glass door, I could see the other young people sitting, sitting, sitting around the blue pool. My miracle crowd, my future leaders. To make it round out, I decided that the night before, the young man, not the one with the thumb, had tried to screw the ugly girl in the pointed hat while they were both drunk. And the ugly girl in the pointed hat felt, for some reason, that this was a damned dirty trick. Uh, she acted bit parts in little theater, was said to have talent, had a fairly wealthy father, and her name was Ging or Gang or something odd like that, and that was mainly why the boys wanted to screw her, because her first name was Gig or Gang or Azupu, and the boys wanted to say, very much wanted to say, I balled with Ging last night. All right, so having settled all that, I put on some coffee and rolled myself something calming.
Ничего. Ничего не, не пишите. Пишите. Ничего. Ничего не читайте. Читайте. Ничего, Ничего не говорите. говорите. Ничего. 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 Не печатайте. Пишите. Ничего. Ничего не читайте. Читайте. Ничего не говорите. Ничего. Ничего не печатайте.
A photographer, apparently. I want them to just keep talking. Hmm? I want them to just keep talking. Ольга Розанова. Сбжест сдебан. Жбзмест это. Жмуц декка. Умерец итера. <laughs> Thanks for being patient. Sorry? Thank you for being so patient. I'm not in a rush. Mm -hmm. Not even. <gasps> I really like this top though, it's beautiful. And it's top really yeah. as well. No, that really nice, the stripy one. Про два квадрата. Эль Лисицкий. Всем, всем ребяткам. Эль Лисицкий. Супрематический сказ. Про два квадрата. Шести постройки. Не читайте. Берите. Бумажки складывайте. Берите. Столбики красьте. Берите. Деревяшки строить. Вот два квадрата летят на землю издалека. И удар все рассыпано. И по черному установилось красно. Ясно? Тут кончено. Дальше. У Новис. Построена mm. в 1920 году. What a lovely thought. Thank you very much. Thank really you. lovely. Sorry. Have you got, I've got absolutely nothing today. No change. Let me actually check. I might. I might. 
Looking good.
Have a journey 
Heaven, Johnny. Heaven, Johnny. You have 